0: 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to chapter 2, verse 5. I'm reading out of the ESV, uh, just so you know. Let's read it, and then we'll pray and get... You to hear from God. I hope you're excited for that. I mean, just a little bit. I honestly kind of hope you're nervous. It's kind of scary sometimes hearing from God. He says things that you're like, really, God? So, okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, For the word of the cross the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Please, Jesus. But God chose what is foolish in the world. I hope you're hearing this. This is wild. who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Verse, uh, we'll read five more verses in chapter two. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's the word of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's powerful, God. And right now we just confess, I confess together, we say we need you. We would be wasting our time without you here meeting us, giving us insight and understanding into your word. Because Lord, like it says, it's gonna seem foolish. It's gonna seem like folly. It's gonna be a stumbling block in many ways. But with you, Holy Spirit, you can make it come to life. And so I ask for the, the power of the Holy Spirit to come on me, to come on all of us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see your word. And I just ask, Lord, as I proclaim your word, that, that Holy Spirit, you would show up and it would be a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And tonight we would be like, man, I saw the power of God. I experienced the power of God. I experienced that. I want more of it. So please, Lord, help us together. Help us if we're tired, if we're stressed, if we're busy, distracted. Help us focus on you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm gonna start with a quote. I normally don't ever do this. It's a long quote. It's from an African pastor. And he's speaking with his tongue in cheek, meaning he's being sarcastic, okay? Ready for this. This is what he said. He said this, "'If I were God, I would not have sent Jesus as a baby.'" Which, side note, I have a baby, that's true. I would not put all of the hope of the world into a little baby. He said, if I were God, I would have been in a hurry to save humanity. I would have sent Jesus as a great sage, bold, drawing wise, drawing large crowds. I would have had Jesus start preaching from the age of 15, dazzling his elders, and he would have saved humanity in say 15 years, half the time it took for God to save the world. The way God did it was too slow, too low tech, too wasteful of time." Having Jesus born as an infant, then three years as a baby, then 10 years as a child, then seven years as a teenager, while the world waited to be saved was a lack of God's visional clarity. He's talking sarcastically. I hope you get it. Having Jesus lived 10 more years as a mature young adult, your age, and yet saying nothing about his mission was a sign of poor product placement. Sending him to earth penniless, born to some poor peasant family in obscurity, when God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, when we know that the way to reach the world is obviously more money and more power, is a sign that God doesn't understand marketing and branding. I would have sent the Messiah as a king, rich and powerful. I would have announced his arrival by splashing it on the billboards. At his entry, CNN would have recorded it live. Think about this, God could have done this. CNN would have recorded it live. It would have been digitally synchronized via satellite around the whole world. I would have reached the world at once. And if CNN were not available, I would have played some fantastical kaleidoscope in the clouds, something that would have made the whole world stop and look up into the sky. I want you to think about how Jesus was actually sent. And then think about the culture and society that you are a part of, like you we are a part of the most advanced civilization in the history of the world. Just let that blow your mind. You are a part of the most advanced civilization. Most of you have either attended college or are attending college. Uh, You've gone through some of like the top literally institutions that have ever existed that are teaching you knowledge. You have more power and information at your fingertips than any other group of people who have ever lived do you know who we're like? Like the people of Babel, we, as a culture and society, have built this tower nearly to heaven. What can we not do in society? And when Paul was writing First Corinthians. There were, there were two cultures, okay, that he was talking to. Number one, there were the Jews. You remember he mentioned the Jews. And then he was writing to the culture of the day. They were the Greeks. Uh, they, they represent like the power of Rome. They were a Greek culture. And here's, look at verse, uh, chapter one, verse 22. I want us to start looking at this verse. Chapter one, verse 22. He says this about these, these two cultures. He says, the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek Wisdom. Okay, I I want you to think about this for a second, that you probably resonate with one of these two cultures. Jews at this time, who Paul is writing to, demanded signs. Jews were power hungry. They craved power. they have been oppressed, right? You know, if you know some Jewish history, they were slaves for 400 years and they saw God radically deliver them like with amazing power. They saw the power of God. And then remember Daniel and his friends as exiles in this other nation? And they're like, no, we're not bowing down. And they saw God deliver them. Daniel, the lions were closed. Like they experienced power from God. The whole Old Testament is a story of weak people and a powerful God delivering them. And so the Jews were power hungry and their their paradigm for walking with God was like power wins the day. Okay, that is that is the Jewish people. And listen, some of us have Jewish leanings. We tend to think the more power I get, the better. The more supernatural power is always better. The more strength, the better. And we can, you can even, if this is you, you can tend to think that God actually needs my strength and my gifts and my power to build his kingdom. And the more power I can get, the better for the kingdom of God. If that kind of sounds like you, that's, you would fit more in the Jewish camp, okay? Then he says, yeah, the Jews demand signs, supernatural signs, the Greeks seek wisdom, okay? There's other people, there's another culture that loves wisdom, loves logic and reason and philosophy. Uh, from this stream, the Greek thinking is how we've got like our modern science and technology. Some of you guys have like a Greek bent Okay, like you're like, I want to know what the best minds in history have to offer me. I, I wanna know like, what the greatest thinkers, I wanna read the greatest books. I wanna hear all the great theories of the universe and its origin and its meaning. I need to like see something and like, understand it with my senses or with my logic. Like that's, that's some of us. Some of you guys are like, hey, just give me like supernatural stuff. Some of you are like, mm, let me think about this for a minute. Let me read some books. Let me see what so-and-so had to say. And in the face of a Jewish longing for power, And a Greek culture that loved wisdom comes Jesus as a baby, okay? I just want you to think about that. You have these Jewish power hungry people and then you have this Roman culture that loves wisdom and then you have a baby. And then let's just fast forward through the life of Jesus. The climax of Jesus' life, of his ministry was him hanging naked, suffocating to death on a Roman cross. That was Jesus, okay? And, and so look at verse 23 and 24. Paul goes on to say, yeah, the Jews want signs, Greeks want wisdom, but we preach Jesus Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles but to us, Christ is the power and wisdom of God. Listen, if you are a Jewish person who loves power and your concept of walking with God is the more power, the better, and you saw the son of God hanging naked on a cross, you're like, this is ridiculous. Obviously, Jesus failed. Obviously, Jesus was not from God. Why would God who delivered us all of these amazing ways do this? He failed. He lost to Satan the power of darkness. Clearly, Jesus is not my hope. What kind of power is death on a cross? Your hands are literally stuck and you're breathing, you're suffocating and you're breathing your last. What kind of, how does that look to a Jewish person? Think about that. God was like, this is how I wanna display who I am to these Jews. And then if you're a Greek who loves wisdom this is literally nonsense. It literally doesn't make sense that it's a good idea to die on a cross. It's literally illogical. Why, how is this at all death? How is this like a good thing? Like he failed. This, this does not make sense. He says to Jews, it's a, Jesus on the cross is a stumbling block. To Gentiles, it's just stupid. It's foolish. And then to the, to the follower of Jesus, we know, that Jesus hanging there on a cross is actually a demonstration of true power. And Jesus hanging on a cross is a demonstration of true wisdom. Jesus hanging there on a cross dying was literally God's most uh, incredible moment in history of flexing his power. Do you know that? The climax of the power of God was demonstrated as he hung on a cross, looking the most helpless, humiliated, powerless. It, he was despised. That was God. God said, how, like the Trinity's up there, how can we display power? Jesus, you should go die on a cross. He, listen, on the cross, Jesus was defeating a foe that has never been beaten, death, and Satan and sin on a cross. That's the kingdom of God. In that moment with Jesus on the cross, the, listen, there's a really big problem in the universe. Uh, it's that God's perfect and holy and we are not. That's a problem, like that is a problem for unholy people and yet on the cross, God was displaying his power to take away wrath that we deserved and take it on himself And then I'll rise again, and so I can save humanity through my death. The cross, just let this sit in, like, let this sink in. The cross is a picture of ultimate power. I I don't know if you think about that. I don't know if you think about, like, my life and what power looks like, and I want power. It looks like the cross. That's what it looks like. The kingdom of God is is, uh, always displayed the power in the kingdom is displayed through weakness it actually always has been it always was there in the old testament and we see it in jesus listen all the good stories in the old testament are stories of radical human weakness and the power of god being displayed in and through them like david was a kid he wasn't that awesome he was a kid but he knew in my weakness watch what god can do joshua and the battles he fought was like i know who my god is even the fact that the, the Jews were slaves in Egypt, weakness. The, the cross is what true power looks like. And, and Jesus hanging on the cross is what also ultimate wisdom looks like. Do you know that? True wisdom is God hanging on a cross. Because here's the thing, how can a perfect God spare evil people? By taking on himself their punishment, their judgment, and forgiving them of their sins? How can God be fully just and fully good? Listen, these are questions that philosophers can't figure out. The cross is the answer. It's the wisest, most amazing, incredible piece of wisdom there will ever be. That God can be fully loving and fully holy and just, it reconciles on the cross. We couldn't have, we couldn't have come up with this. We couldn't have. And listen, What looks to your and my eyes every day as power and what looks to our eyes as wisdom, we we could refer to it as the kingdom of the world, it will not last. The most powerful people, the most wise people will not have not lasted. Our American kingdom will fall. As did Babel, as did Egypt, as did Rome, every earthly kingdom will fall. It will lose its power. It does not have enough wisdom to sustain itself. As Isaiah said, I love this, in Isaiah chapter 40, he said, the nations are like a drop in the bucket. America, a drop in the bucket. Nothing more than dust on the scales. Like, yeah, I want to weigh something. Oh, but there's a little bit of dust. Oh, don't, don't even worry about it. That's like America. That's what, that's like God's metaphor for our country, our nation. You're like, yeah, but we're like a special drop in the bucket though, right? Like, honestly, Rome was a lot more impressive. The British empire was bigger than, I mean, obviously we we can laugh at them now, but that's where we're going. Our nations will not last. And Paul says in our text, where is the one who is wise? He's like, where are they? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And so I, I think we need to have a right understanding of what true power is and what true wisdom is. Listen, you guys are in college, or you're in your 20s, you're figuring things out, and all you're gonna hear is, is lies about what power looks like and lies about what true wisdom is. And we can just look at history and be like, we haven't figured it out yet, and I don't think America's going to be the breakthrough nation. We, fig- we solved all of humanity's problems. Like, it's not going well for humanity. Our idea of true power and true wisdom, it will not last. But do you know what will last it is the kingdom of God. It is literally already outlasted every single powerful nation. Like ridiculously. Like Babylon, Egypt, Rome, like it was the church that helped bring down Rome and then like save Rome and use all its like roads and stuff to just save the world in the reformation like It's amazing, we have outlasted every single kingdom. Every other ideology and philosophy, Jesus has overcome those things. Jesus on a cross has literally been more powerful and more wisdom than anything else in the world. And do you know what's amazing about it? Is the way Jesus does this, the way the kingdom of God succeeds is small and unassuming like a mustard seed. It keeps looking like the cross. That's what your life, if you wanna follow Jesus, that's what it keeps looking like to the world. People will watch you following Jesus and be like, you're you're stupid. And like, why would you choose to give up power? Why would you choose to give up influence? Why would you not just try and grab all that you can get? If you wanna follow Jesus for real, like, your life will look like Jesus. Let me hear this, success in a life looks like Jesus. Success looks like Jesus. And Jesus died on a cross and then he rose again and now he's sitting on his throne. But he's like, listen, but the way I'm gonna spread my kingdom is through this foolishness to the world and through this like weakness and like choosing the way of the cross. You wanna follow me? You pick up a cross. And I want to get really uh, like personal. There's, I think I have four things for us. Like, I want to get really, really practical for us. Um, And I'm going to start doing that. Let's look again at uh, verse 26. I'm going to read through 31, and then we're going to get really like nitty gritty, okay? For consider your calling, brothers. I love this. He's just like, let's be honest. Who was that awesome? Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Meaning, if if you've been chosen, that's you, okay? Just know that. He's saying that about you. What is foolish in the world to shame the wise? God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. He chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay, so I got four things. Number one, I wanna talk to the weak person in the room, okay? There's some of you who came in tonight and you're feeling weak. And you're feeling like you're struggling, or maybe you're full of doubt. Uh, maybe you're just like, no, I just like sin. I don't like Jesus. I don't know why I'm here. Someone brought me. Or maybe you're like, I know I'm supposed to love, to love Jesus, but I, honestly, I just want to do what I want to do. If that's you tonight, I want you to hear this. You are exactly who Jesus came for, you, you're perfect. You fit the bill. If you are weak and struggling and full of doubt, you are exactly. Who Jesus came for. Do you know what Jesus said to those who are like, no, I'm, I'm killing it? He said, I didn't come for you, actually. Uh, you don't need me. I came for the weak, for the sinners. Those who are well, you don't need a doctor. If you're well, you don't need me. That's not, I'm not here for you. I came for the weak. So if you're feeling weak, if you have weak experiences of, of faith, listen, you are welcome here and you are welcome with Jesus, with all of your issues, with all of your doubts, with all of your nonsense, like you are who Jesus loves. You are actually why he came, to display the love of God for weak, broken people. That's that, this little paragraph right here is is why he came, for weak people. Uh, if you are like feeling strong, so second, I'm gonna address a second person. If you're like, you know what? I'm actually like doing okay. Um, kind of popular. I'm actually kind of smart. Well, you know, when it said not many, I was like, yeah, I mean, I was the smart one though. If that's you, I wanna say this to you. You need to be really careful because human power and praise is a hindrance to the kingdom of God. Wow. The more praise you get from people, the harder it is to get in the kingdom of God. Remember the rich young ruler? He had it. He was killing it spiritually. He was killing it. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, I want you to come follow me. And he couldn't do it. He was like, yeah, that would require me to give up some of like my stuff and my status. To follow Jesus, you have to become a fool first. And if you're feeling wise and confident, it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be difficult. And do you know what the love of God looks like to you? Is a loving, radical humbling. Just a loving, radical, like, breaking down. That's what the love of God looks like for you. Isaiah 40, same chapter says, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. Because the only way in the kingdom is to know, like, man, I am not enough, I don't have what it takes. I need Jesus, I need another righteousness. Um, I'll be honest, this was me most of my life, definitely me in college. And this is where, if I'm really honest, I tend to default back to when I'm like, not paying attention. Um, I took a lot of pride in my strength in college, in the ministries I was leading and the gifts God's given me. And I, I want you guys to hear this, it was spiritual poison, it was spiritual poison. The, the more proud I was of myself and all the, look at God, he gave me all this cool stuff and I get to use it. It literally started to ruin my relationship with other people. It ruined my relationship with my uh, now wife and it, it, was like, it was like just rusting away my relationship with God. And if I was really honest, I could kill it, but I actually, inside everything I was doing was just a chore. I did it because I was supposed to do it, because I was good at doing it. I I didn't do it because I love God. I did it because I was awesome. That's literally how I thought. And it was just a chore. I, I gotta read my Bible. I gotta do the right thing. I gotta say no to sin. And I honestly was just bitter and rotting inside. All of my strength, all of my knowledge was just rotting me inside. And listen, it wasn't until I realized that even in my strength, I was nowhere near enough. That I was actually really proud and miserable. And I actually needed a savior to save me from all of my nonsense and all of my pride. And it wasn't until God began to break me down like systematically. And like, I was really be able to be honest, like man, I'm, gosh, I, I don't have what it takes that I began to experience the love and mercy of God. That, I, that Jesus became good news and not just like, hey, get your act together, Bo. It was like, oh wait, he, he loves me too? Because why would he love me? Because I'm really broken and like I'm, I'm actually really proud and I'm an idiot. Like, no, wait, he's, he, oh wait, that's why Jesus came? Oh wait, this whole thing is about like, I I'm, I'm, don't have what it takes, but Jesus has what it takes. I'm weak and Jesus still loves me. It wasn't until I could join the first group that I understood who Jesus was and how good Jesus was. You guys remember the parable? And it was like the Pharisee and he's like, God, thank you that I'm awesome. I know it's from you, thank you, God. And then you have the tax collector and he said, he he stood far off and he just said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, it was that tax collector that walked away justified. You wanna know the right posture in following Jesus is God have mercy on me, a sinner. It's not God thinks that I'm awesome. It's not that. That's not where justification comes from because you don't need justification because you're awesome. That posture of Lord have mercy on me. Jesus said it this way, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the first thing he ever preached. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And uh, if that's you, I just in love for you know God's coming for you. He's coming for you and he loves you. And sometimes that's gonna mean He's gonna like expose some of your stuff so that, so that you are humbled and know you need him. Uh, I wanna talk to another group now. Uh, to you who are like a dreamer, um, who like wanna do amazing things in life and for the Lord and with the Lord. Um, I already said this, but I jumped ahead. It was the best line for, for you. But here's, here's the thing. Success looks like Jesus. Success isn't what you achieve. It's not what you make for yourself. It's not your resume. It's not your dream job. It's not changing the world. Success looks like Jesus, who was God, and yet humbled himself and was obedient to his father to the point of death on a cross. That's success. Just for a second, get the world out of your brain and know that success looks like, man, I have radical dignity because of who God is and who my father is, and yet I'm gonna humble myself to the point of death on a cross. That is what success looks like. If you pursue anything else, it's, it's the wrong success. It's not it. It's just not it. Jesus was God, and that is the life he chose to live. And listen, there was a moment where His father said, well done, son, come sit with me and reign with me forever. That day is coming for you, but it always comes after a life of obedience and trust and humility and seeking his wisdom, not like the world's wisdom and seeking his power and not like the world's kind of power. His power is being perfected in your weakness. You want like power? Like you gotta be really familiar with your weakness. Then you know where you actually need Jesus. Success is knowing Jesus, walking with Jesus, obeying Jesus. Like tomorrow, like in your sex life, in your thought life, in your schoolwork, in your relationships. Nope, I'm gonna obey Jesus. And it feels like a cross and this is difficult, but I trust my father. That's what, that's what success looks like. And if you're chasing something else, it's not the kingdom of God and it will not last. Listen, God has amazing things for you guys. There is glory coming. There are other thrones that get, people get to sit on in heaven and we get to rule with Jesus, but it comes after a life of trusting and obeying Jesus, the same way Jesus did. That is what power and success and wisdom looks like, the way of Jesus, the cross. And then here's the last practical thing I want us to, to see. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 now, verse 2. Paul said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus. Um, Do you know what's really classic about our generation, our culture right now, is we, this is crazy. We love the things of Jesus. We love justice and relational wholeness and acceptance and power and wisdom. Like when we hear about the kingdom of God, we're like, yeah, if you go to anybody in the world who's our age, and be like, hey, does this kingdom sound good? They're gonna be like, yes. But here's the thing, our culture, our, we want the kingdom without the king. Woo! Listen, we want the kingdom without the king. We want wisdom in general. We want power in general. We want justice in general. We want relational wholeness in general, love and acceptance in general, but we don't always want it on the king's terms. We want the fruit of the kingdom without Jesus. Listen, that's, that's how the whole world is. If you go to San Francisco, they're gonna be so like about justice and so about like be relationally fulfilled. They just don't want the king, right? We, will, we want the kingdom of God without the king. And Paul says, I have a better direction for you. I want nothing but the king. Don't pursue the kingdom, pursue the king." You have to hear that. You can love justice and not Jesus. You can love relational wholeness and not Jesus. It's from Jesus that true justice flows. It's from Jesus that relational wholeness is found. It's from Jesus that you're gonna find acceptance. It's from Jesus you're gonna find power and wisdom. Listen, if you want revival, if you're hungry for revival, It's not by power or wisdom or humans at all. Seek Jesus, the king, who can bring his kingdom. It's about acknowledging our need, our weakness for Jesus and his power and his spirit and his word that doesn't always make sense. Paul's like, listen, if I could know one thing, he says it in chapter two, verse two, if I could know one thing, it's Jesus. I just wanna know Jesus. I wanna know Jesus and him crucified. If, the, if I could say the one thing, the most important thing about your walk with the Lord is to simply want Jesus. I wanna be with Jesus. I trust as I spend time with, abide in Jesus, all the fruit's gonna flow. All the pieces are gonna come together. That's the source is Jesus. And the right posture is Jesus, I need you. I'm weak. I am poor in spirit. I have failed, I've wandered, but you are gracious. You are a good shepherd. You love sinful, broken people like me. And if you have experienced some healing and life from Jesus, I just want you to say, we never move on from the cross. There's no graduation from the cross. There's no like, yeah, I got that when I got saved. Now I get to be awesome, right? Like I get to do what I want. Listen, there's no graduation. than Jesus and him crucified. That's what it looks like every day. I wanna know Jesus and I wanna know what it's like for him to be crucified so that I can just follow him in my relationships. I can humble myself. I I can love this difficult person because Jesus loved difficult people. I can like not judge these crazies over here because that's what Jesus did on the cross. He was judged for me and for them. Like, what does the cross look like? Listen, just pay pay attention to Jesus and the cross and you'll make it to the kingdom and it will be good and right. And so this is why we we spend so much time um, after we teach and get in the word to be with Jesus. It's just the most important thing you'll ever do to just be in the presence of Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to sit with Jesus, to take communion and remember the cross of Jesus. We're gonna have uh, people up here who who wanna pray for you, who like, listen, I know some of you guys have stuff you need to get off your chest and confess. You're not gonna freak them out. They're the same as you. And Jesus has rescued them and they know what it's like to be rescued. I wanna encourage you to get prayer tonight. Um, I wanna encourage you guys just to pray for your friends who came. Um, And listen, if you're like, Right now, if you feel just nervous for worship, like, oh my goodness, that's okay. It's like Jesus came for people like you who are nervous and broken and weak. Like that is who he loves. If you're feeling like, oh man, like just a puffed up chest for worship, I would just simply say sometimes he like pokes you in the chest, it hurts, and you like, all comes out and you get in the right posture of worship. Like on your knees with your face before Jesus. And he says, humble yourself and then Jesus will lift you up. We were uh, praying beforehand And someone just had this picture of like, man, the right posture is my face down because it's Jesus who lifts my head. Like when I lift my head up, when I lift my own head in in my pride, Jesus in love is like, no, you're gonna put your head down. But when I put my head down, Jesus is the one, Psalm three, you are the lifter of my head. You are my glory. Jesus is my glory and the lifter of my head. And so I'm gonna pray for us and we're just gonna spend time humbling ourselves before Jesus. So so Jesus, thank you for who you are. I thank you for uh, your word and how it doesn't make sense to the world. It's like radical, it looks ridiculous, it looks foolish, it looks weak. And yet we know that's where true power comes from and true wisdom in your presence on the cross, Lord. Would we never forget the cross and move on from the cross? Like that is like the centerpiece of your kingdom, the lamb that was slain. So Lord, right now, please, please, Holy Spirit, would you uh, f- first let us bow our heads and our knees before you and then would you lift our heads? Would you say, come to me and then I'll give you rest. I'll be your glory. I'll be your righteousness. I'll be, I'll be everything that you need because you're trusting in me. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would just speak really kindly uh, to those of us who have wandered, Um, and maybe are feeling afraid, would we know that you are a good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep, who loves the wandering sheep and brings them back? And that's what heaven goes crazy for is one lost sheep coming back. Would we know that this is the right place for us in our brokenness, in our doubt, in our fear? Would we find the embrace of a loving father here tonight, God? Um, If there's others of us and we just are just overwhelmed by your love for us, would we... Um, Just enjoy your presence together, Lord. Would we worship you freely? Would we not hold anything back? Lord, I pray for friends to be praying with friends, to be real and honest with each other about where they're at and what they need. And God, I just pray that there would just be a great move of prayer tonight, that there'd be um, too many people out at the prayer team and um, that we together would just be humbling ourselves in the presence of God that not one of us would boast in the presence of God, but we would boast in Jesus. Let us tonight boast in Jesus, boast in the Lord. My God is so great. My God has delivered me. My God has taken away my sin and my shame. He's forgiven me, he's pursued me in my rebellion. We boast in Jesus, in Jesus alone tonight. And Lord, I just also pray, I I feel it. I feel the sting, the loving sting. I know where I've been proud, Lord, where I've been proud of myself and where I've been like, no, I'm okay, God. I don't need you. Um, Would you just, Jesus, you are the healer. Holy Spirit, you are the comforter. Would you um, just remind us of your great love for us? Even the older brothers like me in the room who are like, what, I didn't do all that stuff, Jesus feel kind of bitter like i'm following you and like just those pharisees in the room lord would you just graciously um just come to us as well and just speak your love and, and mercy over us as well you love us still you came for us you came for our pride as well and would we just enjoy your presence now jesus